I've been learning a lot about J. Robert Oppenheimer recently. With the new blockbuster biopic of his life that has just come out, there has been a resurgence of popular interest and analysis of his life and work. Oppenheimer was, as I'm sure you all know, the man credited with being the father of the atomic bomb. I was familiar with his name and that legacy, but not the fullness of his story. And while I haven't had the chance to see the film yet, I have found him to be a fascinating figure of study. One piece I read about him was an interview with the film's director, Christopher Nolan, in which Nolan described Oppenheimer as, quote, the most important person who ever lived. Now, I realize that on a press junket, directors will say whatever they can to try to get people to come and see their movie, but Nolan's argument was sincere, for when asked to explain such a bold pronouncement, he went on to say, if my worst fears are true, he'll be the man who destroyed the world. Who's more important than that? Oppenheimer's story is central to the way in which we live now and the way we are going to live forever, he went on. He absolutely changed the world in a way that no one else has changed the world. He gave the world the power to destroy itself. No one has done that before. End quote. It's a somber assessment, but I see his point. And while I may not put Oppenheimer at the top of my most important people who ever lived list, it is true that he gave us the power to destroy the world and in the process, ourselves. For his part, Oppenheimer seems to have recognized the momentousness of his work even as it was happening. For as he famously recounted upon witnessing the test of the first bomb, Quote, we knew the world would not be the same. A few people laughed. A few people cried. Most people were silent. And I remembered Vishnu's line from the Hindu scriptures, the Bhagavad Gita, that say, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. End quote. There was a before, the atom bomb, and there is an after, and they are two starkly different realities. But that made me wonder. If we now have the ability to destroy the world, why don't we? What keeps us from doing it? Sure, there are laws and international committees and commissions, but I think it's deeper than that. And you may say that it's the drive for self-preservation which is powerful, no doubt, but why do we want to survive? Why do we want to exist? There's something that calls us to life and makes us want to keep living. There's something that imbues existence with value in our eyes and makes it worth fighting for, and it must be a force strong enough to fend off the powers of death and destruction that threaten us on every side or reside right at the end of our fingertips. What is that something? Our Christian faith 
offers us an answer to that very question. For it tells us that the thing which drives us to survive is the very same thing that drives all of creation to fight to exist rather than not. And that force, it says, is the love of God. All of creation, our creation, our faith tells us is an act of love. Existence exists because God loved it into being, which means that the very same love that gave birth to the cosmos sits in the center of our souls. And that is what gives us a motivation that goes beyond mere survival to celebration, beyond just existence to purpose. We want to live because in living we get to experience that gift of love, a love that God has been trying to awaken us to throughout history over and over again. A love for God, a love for our fellow humans, a love for this world and all the beauty and the wonder that is in it. The other day, in a, a fit of philosophical profundity, one of my boys uh, just randomly threw his arms around me and exclaimed, seemingly out of nowhere, I just can't believe we get to have life. <laughs> That's it. That's what I'm talking about. That awareness that awakens us to the gift of existence given in love. That is what makes, uh, gives our life an ultimate value, makes it worth uh, protecting and preserving. That's what keeps us from pushing that button. This love is what makes us care about ourselves, about other people, and it compels us to share those gifts of love and life so that all people may understand and experience their lives as having ultimate meaning as well. And nowhere is this love seen more perfectly or more powerfully than in the person of Jesus Christ? The one whose life and death and resurrection prove to us that the love of God is the thing that can transcend or transform the most powerful forces of death and destruction. Because the love of God, he tells us, is the most powerful force in the universe. If you don't believe me, just ask St. Paul. For like him, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation, even the atomic bomb can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. But our cooperation with this love, that is not a given. That is a choice.
It has always been possible for human beings to reject the gift of life that surrounds us and seek to diminish it or destroy it. That impulse did not begin with Robert Oppenheimer, it just reached its maximum end. The challenge for us, then, possessing as we do both the capacity for death and destruction by our own hand and the power of life and love by the grace of God is to make the choice to love with our lives. For each day, we have the option to be agents of destruction or construction, to engage in words and deeds that break down or build up, that diminish or uplift. And every time that we choose the way of love, even in the, the smallest mustard seed-sized ways, we start to build something. We start to build a world in which the forces of destruction and death can find no place to dwell. We contribute to the establishment of the very kingdom of heaven which Jesus talks about so rapturously, a kingdom built on the foundation of the very love that all of existence is founded on. A kingdom that is full of beauty and of goodness and of peace and of joy and existence that feels so rich, so abundant, so wonderful and wonder-filled that even if we have the capacity to destroy it, we would always choose not to. A kingdom so potent, so precious, so powerful, that working for it becomes the most important thing we can do with our lives. I think the reason I have found myself so fascinated by Oppenheimer's story these last few weeks is not just because he was undeniably an important person in the history of the world, but because his story forces us to ask some of these ultimate questions by showing us a glimpse of just how complete the forces of death and destruction we can now conjure could be. It requires an equally powerful response in the heart of each human being, an answer that says, why not do it? Why life? What for? A chance to revisit the creation of the atom bomb gives us the chance to revisit our own creation and to unearth what it is that sits behind our drive to survive. And as we dig deep into our souls, we find the truth that we are made by love for love. For the love of God which created us is the thing that drives us and the thing that saves us. And nothing Nothing can take that away. Amen.